The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye. This is the Afternoon News on Edmonton's News and Conversation Station, 630 Chad. Well, hey, Chadville. It's, uh, it's Jalen. How you doing on this Monday? Hope you had a... A great weekend. Uh, managed to get through all of that smoke. Turned out to be a pretty nice weekend when all of a sudden Don was away uh, last week in Yellowknife for a conference. Some really interesting look at how uh, the military does things in the north and Yellowknife itself. A really neat, special spot. And I'll tell you a little bit maybe uh, a little more about that uh, a little later on. I uh, do have a lot of things to get to this afternoon. We're going to talk about green burials coming up about green burials we are going to talk about uh, the um, murdered missing uh, women's inquiry and as well you heard about this remember we talked to Chris Cromwell from uh, that gold hunt search uh, a little a little while ago well you know day one and boom it was pretty much found. So we'll get an update on all of these things. But right now, though, of course, you've been hearing this on the sh- on the station throughout the day. Thousands of high-level residents who were evacuated nearly two weeks ago because of the ongoing wildfires in the region um, have started to return home. The evacuation order was lifted at 10 o'clock this morning. Residents of Mackenzie uh, County and the Denetha First Nation communities of Bushy River, Meander River, and Chate were also allowed home. High-level Mayor Crystal McAteer says it was a joint decision. Um, actually, it wasn't the Premier's decision. Uh, it was a joint decision between the Reeve and the Chief and myself. And the Premier just happened to be here. And uh, so the decision was not the province's. The decision was ours and ours alone. Uh, theirs and theirs alone. Uh, the Denetha First Nation Chief James uh, Anase is calling today a good day. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today's a good day. Uh, a welcome day for people to come home. Uh, overcast, cooler. Uh, most like uh, people like uh, sun, sunshine days. But uh, this is a real welcome uh, weather today. So. I'm really happy with that. Um, uh, what I learned from this uh, fire is that um, there's a number of things that need to be looked at in the region. Um, we have a number of communities all around this area. Uh, the escape route, second and in case of uh, another disaster or uh, fire or even ice rain. Nowadays, we never know. In the, in the past year, in November, we experienced quite a bit of uh, rain in the area. Uh, so anything like that could happen nowadays. And uh, when you look at uh, the infrastructure in the area, I think it's a good, good time for the government to uh, take a good look at uh, ways that it can uh, maybe prevent uh, from uh, infrastructure damage and also um, uh, taking a look at the access so that there's a good uh, escape route for people. Uh, certainly in our area, like uh, our people are really anxious to come home and, and that's a big thing today is that uh, they will come home. And uh, when they get home, uh, people need to really uh, take a good look at their homes, make sure everything's in place, and also uh, getting rid of uh, food and uh, replacing it with uh, things that damage and so on. And uh, the town is uh, reopened uh, fully for business, and uh, the next day or so, people can come in and uh, shop for food and so on and so forth. So 
It's a great day. It's a great day. Dene Tha First Nation Chief James Anase uh, joining uh, or speaking to the media earlier today with the latest on the fire situation across the province. We're now joined uh, by Alberta Wildfire Information Officer Derek Gagnon. Hi, Derek. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, so we heard uh, the chief talking. He's saying it's a, it's a good day. The weather a little bit better uh, up there right now. How is the impact? How is the weather um, actually impacting things uh, up in the uh, with the Chuckeg Creek wildfire near high level right now? So with the weather we've had over the past forty eight hours or so, we've seen some rainfall in the region, which we hadn't seen for a number of weeks. Nice. The high level area has been experiencing drought like conditions for some time. So that rain falling, even if it was just some showers, really uh, brought the fire intensity level down quite a bit where we're not seeing nearly as many hot spots as we were even a couple of days ago. The fire is still out of control. We have its current size at around 276,000 hectares in size. That's a little smaller than we had estimated a couple of days ago, but with that lesser fire intensity, it brings down some of those smoke levels, so we're better able to see the fire perimeter and get an accurate understanding of just how big it is. So what if, if you were to explain what that perimeter looks like right now, how would you do that, Derek? Uh, well, right now, from north to south, it's, it's a rather long uh, fire um, on that axis. It's not quite as wide as it is long north-south. Okay. It's about 100 kilometers from north to south. So we can see that there's there's different weather conditions, even from the, the northern edges up near the town at high level compared to the southern edges down near Paddle Prairie and Keg River. Hmm. Um, it is a very large wildfire. Yeah. It's one of the largest that has ever burned in this province's recorded history. So with that, um, what, are, what are fire crews, uh, what is their main priority right now? So right now, uh, the majority of our focus has been more towards the south, where the fire has been most active over recent days. So we're going in and using this lesser in fire intensity to get a right up next to that wildfire, bring in some heavy equipment like bulldozers, and create these fire guards where we strip off some of the, the surface uh, fuels and vegetation, all those trees and grasses that are in there. And at the same time, our firefighters uh, go in, they use hoses and other uh, water to, to kind of wet the area, kind of get those flames away from the edges and really um, try and get this fire under control. You uh, you mentioned the southern tip of this uh, this fire down near uh, Paddle Prairie, and I uh, was wondering if you have any more information on the situation at the Paddle Prairie Métis Settlement. Um, it, and I think that's the, the, the area that we're talking about here. I know there was, it sounds like there was a number of homes destroyed there. Have, have, have any, has anybody been able to get in to take a closer look at uh, the damage there? I know that the the um, Alberta Ma- Emergency Management Agency had gone in there along with structural protection firefighters. Uh, there were a number of homes mm-hmm. that were, were lost. I don't have the exact number for you, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but structural protection firefighters went in there. They worked very hard, and they were able to save a large amount of homes as well as community buildings and structures. So their efforts... We're, we're greatly appreciated in, in saving a number of those uh, homes.
Alberta Wildfire Information Officer Derek Gagnon joining me uh, on the phone this afternoon as we get an update on what's happening around the province. Um, with the Chuck Egg Creek a wildfire near high level, we're seeing a number of people return home today, but, uh, you know, being told to, to, to prepare to have to evacuate again if necessary. I mean, part of me is looking at this going, saying, I'd want to stay, you know, uh, quite a ways away yet. That's my personal opinion. Um but um, it's not threatening the community right now. Is that what your your folks are saying, Derek? Currently, yes, it's not threatening the community. Now, if we go through another period where we see uh, high winds and low rains and things dry out a lot again, that situation can change. And that's why the people of high level and the surrounding areas remain on evacuation alert. But right now, as things currently stand, the fire is not threatening the community of high level. Uh, let's talk about that uh, McMillan Complex wildfire uh, near Slave Lake. What's the status of that right now? So that one has seen uh, also limited growth over recent days, just as it also receives some of those rain showers that move through the area. Um, we saw that two of the larger wildfires uh, merged into one, which is now a total size of approximately 238,000 hectares in size. Uh, so that one's still out of control. There's a few other wildfires in the very close proximity to it that we're treating. Uh, we're saying that they're in the same complex. And what that means is that the same crews, the same organizational structure attacks all of those wildfires as if they were a single wildfire. Okay. It allows us to just better organize ourselves and concentrate our efforts. All righty. And uh, we, of course, uh, through um, Alberta and you know, a lot in Edmonton on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, that smoke, um, it's obviously changed direction recently. Uh, what is that looking like as far as the smoke and that smoke forecast? It looks like it's going up more north right now. Is that what you're seeing? Well, we've seen a little bit of a difference in, in the way the weather systems have been over the course of the, the past weeks, where right now we're seeing some systems moving in from D.C. and out into the Pacific, where we're seeing things get pushed a little west to east, whereas we are seeing a lot more north to south uh, winds and weather in those previous days. So like on Thursday, uh, which was a particularly bad day for smoke throughout mm -hmm. most of the province, those conditions aren't really there right now. Uh, and also it's helped that with these rains, um, there isn't as much smoke in the air because the, the fires haven't been as active and haven't been able to kick up that smoke. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so at least a little bit of a break from Mother Nature. I know that uh, it would be nice to get a little bit more. It looks like certainly down uh, in the in this area, it's going. We're going to be getting more rain over the next couple of days. I I'm hoping for the uh, I'm hoping for the same for you guys uh, up there as well, Derek. Thank you for this. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, Derek Anyon joining me this afternoon. So just a couple of other things as folks are going into a high level today. So a number of people um, going back into the community, as we mentioned, uh, the uh, the doors were open, let's say, at 10 o'clock this morning. They were uh, greeted at a checkpoint. They were giving a letter from the uh, RCMP detailing how officers looked after the town over the past two weeks, what to expect when they got home. They had talked about, you know, some uh, propane canisters may being moved, barbecues being moved, that sort of thing.
Um, uh, a re-entry package was handed out to each returning resident. It detailed those items that might have been moved, like propane tanks, as I mentioned, and, and what steps the residents may have to take when they get in their house, like checking the utilities, running taps to clear out old water, that sort of thing. Another interesting thing uh, to keep in mind, the uh, Fort Vermilion School Division said schools in that area are going to be closed for the remainder of the school year. Um, the school division's insurance provider apparently requires the buildings to be professionally cleaned. And uh, the school division went on to say, uh, well, last week, the grade 12 students in the high-level area eligible for an exemption from their diploma exams. The education ministry saying that when uh, a student is exempt from the diploma exam, their classroom mark alone will be their final mark. Uh, Grade 12 students can also defer writing their diplomas until August when all of the exams will be offered again. If they do want to write the exams, they can make arrangements to do so. So we'll keep you updated uh, right here on 630 Chat about what's happening up in high level. And of course, uh, those fires uh, just north of Slave Lake as well. Lots still on the go, but looking like Mother Nature uh, playing along a little bit in recent days. Hey, it's uh, Jayla Nye, producer of the show, Brad Whisker, who also did, I think, what, double, triple duty last week. Uh, yeah, filled in for, for you with Morgan Black, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a good time, so it's good to have you back, though. Well, thank you. It's nice to be back. It was uh, it was interesting. I had not ever been up to Yellowknife before. Uh, interesting place, um, and right now there's a lot of daylight, let me tell you. <laughs> I bet. What time is it uh, going down, the sun going it down? It doesn't really go down. No, it's, not it's fl- at that point. Eh? Yeah, so even like even at midnight, it was still bright out um and then it it just kind of you know a little maybe twilighty but then it was just bright again so the thing was we were staying uh in the in the military barracks so it was just like a bed and a locker and a and a window it was you know probably i'm guessing a little bit like a jail cell cell except it had a window but the window didn't have it had a blackout curtain on it but the blackout blind in my room didn't work oh great <laughs> perfect thanks guys yeah, so there was a lot of, yeah that was interesting it was just uh y- you know it's a, it, it's it looks like a really neat spot. Didn't get to see a whole lot of it because just I was in a lot of meetings that sort of uh, that sort of thing. But when you fly in, just the amount of sand and um, rock reminded me a lot of driving through northern Ontario. Uh, you know, that drive through Sault Ste. Marie up to, to Thunder Bay. But it was really neat to 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 see how the the military does their job in the north when communities are so so spread out when the land mass is so huge and the population it was so small so yeah it was it was pretty neat had a good feed of pickerel which was nice straight out of the lake which was which was really cool it was beautiful the first day snowed about four inches the next day and then back up being nice again Snow. Snow, but the neat thing, the one thing was I was I was watching, uh, you know, my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed, and getting a few updates from my husband as well about that smoke on, right. uh, on Thursday. We didn't get any of the smoke up there. If you were in here on Thursday hosting this show, mm-hmm. it was in here. Yeah. We could taste it, feel it in our throat. The, the whole building, we had to kind of aerate it on yeah. Friday, opening all the doors to let the smoke back out. It was brutal. I have a friend of mine who's uh, in hospital downtown and uh, was telling me that on Thursday and on Friday the, the nurses were wearing masks inside the hospital. I believe it. I went through a drive-through restaurant on Thursday night before the Raptors game. Yeah. 
and the woman at the drive-through counter was wearing one of the masks. Our air quality health index hit a 41. Yeah, it was on your, Thursday yeah. night. Absolutely unreal. And uh, you know, Coach uh, had me on. Uh, I don't know Facebook Live or whatever it is. One point, I said, "Take you go outside." It was about 10:30 at night, and you could still just see uh, all of that. And I, I got, I landed back here in Edmonton uh, Friday at about four o'clock in the afternoon. We flew over that big fire, but couldn't see it from the sides. It was just mainly all the cloud and all, all the smoke uh, coming up but you could kind of smell it a, a little bit in the plane. But boy, oh boy, I have not seen, like even during Fort McMurray, the Fort McMurray fires, I don't remember it being that bad down here. No, definitely not. Our lights in our parking lot turned on mm. around 11 in the morning. It was that dark and it wasn't gray and kind of purple. It was just orange and yeah. yellow. It <laughs> was it was on another level. I've been here for four and a half years and I have not, not seen, seen that. It. No. Not seen that at all. Well, you know, uh, everyone made it through. Uh, thank goodness. The pictures were absolutely unreal. I was listening to Ryan. Actually, I was listening to Bruce or Morley uh, getting ready for the conference that morning, like at 6 o'clock in the morning, and just they were talking about it. I just uh, couldn't couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. No, absolutely. It. Like you said, I mean, uh, we we had it pretty rough in as far as air quality goes yeah. during Fort McMurray. But this... Is on a this was on a whole yeah. other level. Yeah, interesting too that uh, high level back uh, open today that folks were allowed to return. I know a lot of people getting really antsy, wanting to get home, of course. And thank goodness that a uh, majority of them, um, well, in high level, of course, have have a home to go to. There were some uh, homes that were destroyed on that uh, on that Métis uh, Paddle, Paddle Prairie Métis settlement. But boy, you know, I I would just be still maybe a, a little nervous going back up there. Absolutely. I'm I was surprised uh-huh. because of because of what was happening on Thursday and it cleared up a little bit on Friday but the air quality health index even here in Edmonton yeah. was still a 7 8 mm-hmm. getting close to 10 mm-hmm. and talking to fire officials Thursday and Friday they didn't really have an idea of when people would be able to go home and then suddenly yesterday you know they like, got some rain go. the wind changed and it's like all right let's here go. We go we're going back home yeah it was um uh I know someone who went through Fort McMurray, the Fort McMurray fire, and they were having a real tough time on Thursday and Friday here in Edmonton. They live uh, here in Edmonton, Leduc area now, having some real troubles just, you know, realizing that, you know, Edmonton was, you know, there's there's not fire here in, in, in you know, the capital region, anything like that, but just triggering kind of that flashback of trying to get out of Fort McMurray that that day and, you know, what it was like around um, those, those couple of days before they decided to leave, and they were really struggling with it like the mental the mental health side of that i think is a is a is a really big one absolutely and we spoke to somebody on thursday who went through that evacuation mm. process in fort mcmurray yeah and we were chatting about what she brought with her and that's always part of it right is what do i grab how long am i going to be gone should i grab this is this really yeah. important or should i grab that and she was in such a rush that she forgot her her dad's ashes in an urn Mm. and her house ended up burning down Mm. and she still regrets that yeah yeah gosh it's it's one of those things that you know you hope you never ever have to think about you never hope you never have to worry about but it it talks about you know it shines a spotlight maybe on the things that you need to do like about emergency preparedness which i think a lot of us don't uh don't think about all that much that we don't think about what what happened if our house uh, uh were to go up in flames or if we had to evacuate with you know an hour to go get out what are you going to grab what are you going to get do you have something already packed what do you do and it's i think it's it's important 
that maybe we start talking about a little bit more, talking about it with your family or whoever, whoever else you're living with at the time. Yeah, we spoke with uh, Dr. Lewis Franziscutti. He's yeah, an injury yeah, prevention yeah. researcher yeah. at the U of A. And one thing that I found really interesting, you always think about the grab-and-go bag mm-hmm. and making sure you have some your credit cards handy. But the one thing that he pointed out that I think a lot of us don't ever think about is that family relocation plan and that calling your family members to let them know and just say, hey, I'm in Lac La Biche mm-hmm. right now, but I'm okay, I'm out. Yeah. Come meet me here or have that designated zone for your you know, your husband or wife yep. and your kids. Yep. We'll all meet here if this ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, switching gears completely here, just wanted to touch briefly. The Raptors uh, last night, uh, game two, went to, to Golden State. Yeah, it was a tough one. They, uh, it just kind of, they, they were they playing really, really, really well and the next thing you know they just weren't sinking anything no and golden state went on that 18-0 run at the start of the third quarter and it really took the wind out of their sails but then in the fourth quarter they had such a great opportunity they didn't allow golden state to score for five and a Mm -hmm. half minutes Mm -hmm. but then toronto couldn't hit any open shots and that was the end of it i saw super fan Yes. I saw a super fan. Yeah, yes. that was awesome. Nav. Is that Nav? Nav Batia. If you want to check that friend. out, <laughs> if you want to check that out, uh, um, Brad had Nav on the show uh, last Thursday, last, yep, Friday, last Thursday, and you can listen to it at the Six Three Chat Audio Vault. Sounds like a great guy. He's a great guy, and I mean that he does not run out of energy or enthusiasm. <laughs> you see him after every free throw; he's throwing his towel well, yeah. up and waving it around. He's always into it, and he's just a fantastic individual. And former President Barack Obama at the game last night hanging as well. Out, hanging out with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Yeah. Huh. Casual outing. Yeah, not bad, eh? Yeah, let's hang out tonight. Hey, it's uh, it's me, Brock. Do you have some tickets for me? Yeah. Yes, that, sir. He, yes, sir, we do. Yeah, I don't think he paid. <laughs>